Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Time for influence for many growing companies. Getting an IPO is the summit, the creme de la creme. But what many of these companies do overlook is the IPO is just a start of a brand new journey as post-IPO firms expect to deliver on the promises made in the preceding stage and to maintain that success. Getting an IPO is a feat that not every company is capable of, but with the emergence of numerous funding platforms catering to different funding needs, private markets are becoming an increasingly popular alternative to IPOs. And one such company is homegrown private investment platform Funnel, which offers unlisted growth and pre-IPO securities across industries to a qualified network of investors within the region. They leverage on technology and data and help match retail investors who maybe would never have invested in equity with companies who would maybe never otherwise raise funds from a pool of investors. To find out more I'm joined this morning by Benjamin Toon, who is co-founder and CEO of Funnel, but it is spelled Fund. No, right? F-U-N-D. Absolutely. Well, great having you here. Good morning. Good morning, Michelle. You established Funnel in 2015, and the vision was to make a difference for SMEs that have insufficient access to expansion funding and growth funding. How exactly does Funnel do that today? Thanks for that, Michelle. I think you summarized it very well. And I think we are a private investment platform headquartered here in Singapore. And we have a growing presence uh, in Southeast Asia, five other countries to be specific. And how we do that is really leveraging technology and data right, to curate these opportunities and by the curation of deals and opportunities in a mm. cost-efficient manner, cost-effective manner, we are able then to avail this to a wider group of investors in a much more efficient manner. And as a result of that, companies get access to larger pools of investors and investors that previously never had the opportunity to access this asset class of venture capital and private equity, they're now able to do so on a platform like ours. Why is Funnel a better option for early investors? Well, the short answer to that is there is no other platform or alternative other than, say, going to a pitch night, for example, where you listen to the pitches of, say, 10 companies, for example, right? A platform like ours, we aggregate opportunities from all over the region. Mm. We screen them and we do our own due diligence on them before we put them onto the platform. And of course, we talked about data, right? And this is really a big, big kind of play now for a lot of our platforms. We take information in terms of the investor preferences, data that investors share with us about what they're looking for to invest in, whether in the region, sectors, and also what kind of ticket sizes are they looking to invest. And with that, we match that with our own algorithms in terms of the opportunities that will be most relevant to these investors. How are you different from a Kickstarter? So if you think about Kickstarter, a lot of the opportunities there are very much in the early stage. For us, we are slightly later in the fundraising uh, continuum, if you think about it. So we're somewhere... Well, in the middle. Mm. So companies that already have a product. So Kickstarter, it would be what we call rewards crowdfunding. So people would invest, say, a token amount of money and they get a product or they get a service. Correct. For us, this is a security, right? And it's an equity ownership in a company that's on our platform. That's already existing. Existing. As proof of product is in the market. And most of times they already have revenues, they already have a pipeline of clients and there has been some sort of a product market fit and validation in the market and we believe that de-risks the investment opportunity for investors in general. What are the ticket sizes? What do they range from? 
and two? That's a great question, right? So it really does depend on the issuer, in this case, the company. So some companies are happy to take tickets as low as 10 to 20,000 US dollars, right? But there are companies, obviously, that would require a much larger ticket. Now, if the minimum investment well, it's a large amount, for example, a million dollars. This is where a platform like ourselves can come in to aggregate smaller tickets, right, and put them together into a million dollars and help people then get access uh, to the round, to the investment round. Take me back to the initial vision that you have before you set this all up. What gap do you see exists in the market? And and you're looking, I, I suppose, at key challenges of SMEs. What do you identify there? Well, it's interesting because my co-founders and myself, we were from financial institutions. And one of the big issues that we we saw when we were there is that we were just not able to serve the mid-market, the growing companies. We're always looking at the companies that would bring us, from a profit perspective, the greatest return on our time. And and that's also because as the banks face growing cost pressures, this was an imperative. So we left the financial world, the financial institutions to go into fintech because we wanted to serve that market that the banks and the other financial institutions were not necessarily looking at or serving. And we had to do that in a more cost-effective manner. And the way we did this was to build technology platform for distribution and also to build a proprietary artificial intelligence-driven screening process to evaluate opportunities in a way that could keep the cost base low for us to continue wow. this. You have to tell us about that AI screening process sure, and is absolutely. it evolving towards empathy? <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes time right, to, to get there. But uh, well, in a nutshell, we screen over 50 parameters right, and we take the existing database of private companies that we have evaluated as a, a guiding principles, right, benchmarks that we can get from those companies and we then put any company, any company that comes through our platform Right, through that screening process of over 50 parameters that range from the company background, mm. the management background, the industry, the market potential and the size. We also look in terms of their financials and operating performances. And lastly, obviously, we need to look at the price, which is what we call valuation. Yeah, so we screen across these parameters and then from there we make a call as to whether it is above or below the benchmark average. I'm speaking with Benjamin Toon in Influence. He is co-founder and COO of Funnel. They leverage tech and data to match retail investors uh, with companies who maybe would not be able to raise funds from this particular pool of investors. So before you came onto the market, there was nothing like a funnel that existed? Absolutely not. I think the closest you get to that would probably be the catalyst. Very interesting. How is Funnel helping companies raise capital more efficiently while enabling investors from Southeast Asia to gain access to regional investment opportunities? Yeah, so I think the thing for us um, is that from day one, we realized that we couldn't be just in Singapore. Right. For us to achieve scale, we had to be in several countries. And if you look at where that invest, I would call it a contiguous investment uh, landscape that would be Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia. These were the first three countries uh, that we looked into. And being there and having a team on the ground helps us connect with the local ecosystem, companies, business owners, as well as investors. And as a result of that, we were then able to bring these opportunities and investors onto this common platform. And with the platform then, it allows, like what we talked about, obviously the ability to tap these regional opportunities Hmm. that now I would say have extended beyond Southeast Asia. So we're even seeing deals from the US. We're getting applications from the UK. We're getting even applications uh, from China and Hong Kong. So it's pretty much international, our deal flow today, even though we're headquartered here. When was it established and uh, what do you foresee for Funnels growth in the near term? Yeah, so we we established this in, in 2015 and that was off 
what happened in the U.S. when there was the Jobs Act that Obama passed, right? So after that, we kind of took a, a bet and said that Singapore will follow suit. And true enough, right, uh, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, very forward-thinking and progressive, uh, they then announced the, the license regime in 2016. And that was when we really did launch uh, our platform and, and push our platform forward. And ever since, uh, we have done about 34 deals. We've launched about 1.8 billion US dollars of opportunities on the platform. And in terms of capital raise, we've done more than 100 million US dollars from our investors. That is just tremendous. Okay, if we look at Singapore's fintech landscape, advancements in fintech has have led to game-changing solutions for retail investors. What do you see as future trends, perhaps, in terms of these game-changing solutions that uh, investors listening in need to know about? Right. I think first and foremost, uh, we need to start with regulations, especially when you deal with fintech, especially when you deal with retail money, right? So I think the first thing to look out for is what are some of those trends that are happening now from a regulatory perspective. I think one thing that you'll read about now a lot in the news is that of the virtual banks. I think that is potentially a massive game changer because this essentially allows companies that were never before able uh, to service a retail base Mm. in terms of basic products like savings and loans. Now they're able to do so and they're able to do so in a more ubiquitous manner. And what do I mean? If you look at what Tencent has done WeChat in China, that has been immense. You can basically buy any product if you can think about or services on their app, right? And that's what I see that's happening. So the first thing is that of the virtual banks. The second thing, the rise of the mega apps. And one good example is what you can see uh, Grab doing with, with Grab Pay, for example. So you're passionate, I understand, about mentoring students and speaking and contributing to roundtables to shape the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Singapore. You even donated $1 million to your alma mater, SMU. Fellow SMU students out there are just thrilled to hear that. Uh, And you did so, that $1 million to set up an entrepreneurship fund. Is there a story behind what fuels your passion to help the next generation? Oh yeah, this was um, done at the point when we started Funnel in 2015. And at that point in time, I would say that we were a little bit of an inflection point, right? And what I wanted to see was for the future generation, and, and this obviously not just for my generation, but future generations, to really have that opportunity to have a go at entrepreneurship. And it's not for any and everyone, right? But I wanted them to have a shot at it. And that was why we started the the Eagles Inc. in Singapore Management University. And with that, we hope to support them in terms of education, in terms of opportunities and exposure. And then we we have this competition that we do yearly called the PAK Challenge. And that challenge is that platform for Singaporean institutions to have students come and pitch their ideas, and it can win up to $50,000. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a fair amount of money. Is Funnel your first business as an entrepreneur? It is my first business, yes. Do you think your experience here feeds into what Funnel could provide for SMEs moving forward, your own experience as an entrepreneur? I think it does. The one difference I'd say between, say, the conversations I have now as an entrepreneur vis-a-vis the conversations I had before as a financier yeah. uh, is that now I think there's a great sense of empathy. Right. And, and we are able to very, very quickly spot the challenges that the companies face. Right, Because obviously when a company comes to you and they pitch their story, you're going to hear the good things. 
Right? Oh, yeah. How are you then able to sieve out all these other challenges and surface this in, in the conversation with the companies? I think as an entrepreneur now, I'm not just able to identify them, but I'm able to empathize with them. And that's why you form a good bond with any of the clients that we work with, specifically the founders. Well, I can't let you go without asking you. Sure. You know, early rounds of funds are usually reserved for institutional investors. So what are the requirements for retail investors to use Funnel's service? And then how do investors get a return or dividends? Okay, so the thing is this. In Singapore, you, you do need to be an accredited investor. Mm-hmm. So we all know, so that is basically proof of either your net assets, $2 million, or your annual income, $300,000, right? The thing is, for retail investors that don't meet this criteria, you can still have an account on the funnel platform, but you might not be able to see the deals that are only reserved for accredited investors, and that is by regulation. So you might see a smaller pool of deals. Yeah, you might see a smaller pool mm. of deals that might not be, uh, say, for example, equity-related. So there could be other opportunities that could be more suited for retail. Say, in countries like Malaysia, we are allowed right, to do the retail business. Right? So the last deal that we did for retail was an investment into a local coffee roaster, and Ooh. that happens to be one of the trends that are going on in Malaysia and Indonesia now as well. Yeah. And as, how do they then receive yes. the, the amounts? Mm-hmm. So... In the case of the Malaysian deal, right, they, the, what they get in terms of a payback is a percentage of the revenue of the local, local coffee roaster. So this is extremely interesting because if that becomes your incentive, right, then you would naturally bring your friends, your families and everyone that you know of to that coffee roaster. Right, to, to drink their coffee there. Was that specific to that deal or is it that how it works? It was specific to that deal. Okay. It was specific to that deal. So, so it really does depend on the structure, yeah. Can you share with us the range of, you know, how investors would get their dividends? Range of ways? Okay, so I think one, obviously for this deal, it was based on the revenue. The other way that you could definitely get a return would be when there's a trade sale. Right. right. So when one of the companies, we have had companies before that got bought out and investors did get sort of a cash return on that. And obviously the last thing is uh, if they do go public an IPO, right? But that's obviously more long drawn. So typically what we see trade sales happen very, very often for uh, these private companies if they ever reach that stage. Otherwise, if they're cash flow positive, uh, they do return dividends as well. Yeah. Well, great to hear about your philanthropy with SMU and I wish you all the best with Funnel. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. He's COO of Funnel, Benjamin Twoon, co-founder as well of Funnel, which helps match retail investors with companies using technology and data. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.